0: Well, thank you guys for coming out on a cold and rainy, you know, it's finally got cold and it has to be on a Saturday night, right? Uh, But I appreciate you guys taking the time, taking the effort, uh, leaving your comfy, warm homes uh, to come out and spend some time with Jesus tonight. Um, He welcomes you. Uh, You know, it's funny, no matter how far ahead of time that you know you're going to preach, you still put it off to the last minute. Any procrastinators out there? Not me, right? Thank goodness I'm at home. Yes. You just put it off no matter what, you know? So as usual, you know, I've known a long time that I'm going to be preaching tonight, but still I put it off <coughs> until this week, you know? And I uh, started to uh, really prepare earnestly on Monday, like, okay, all right, God, you know, where do you want me to go with this message? And uh, what scripture should I lean into? And, you know, what are we going to do with this peace thing? You know, it's such a Big topic, right? And, you know, in the meantime, I got sick. So first off, I want to apologize for any snorting or sniffling or coughing or any other obnoxious, annoying sounds that may come from me over uh, these next moments we spend together. I'm finally getting over it a little bit, so just bear with me as I uh, continue to work through that. I've had my uh, cough medicines going and uh, my cough little drops until just now, so let's see what happens with that. I'm going to put that in God's hands uh, that he'll get me through this message without, you know, hacking up a lung or anything pretty much been in a NyQuil coma for about a week, so I'm glad to be out of that. Um, you know, in addition to being sick, starting to prepare the sermon, and kind of my mind was also preoccupied with impending decision that was to happen in Boongoma, an important court decision, and, and on top of that, I kept hearing, I mean, do you guys listen to the news, read the news, check your Facebook? I mean, all we seem to hear, news stories about violence, right? about hatred. You know, we hear stories of unrest due to the elections and stories of sorrow of people who are losing loved ones to illness. I kept hearing all these stories and reading all these stories that shouted out, there is no peace on earth. That's what we could think if we just relied on those stories we hear and read. And I know that that voice, that shout out is not the truth. And even if it does seem that way sometimes, even if it seems like that a lot of the times, that is a lie. You know, it's not true also because I see pockets of peace out there. I still see peace at work in people. I'm not talking about those moments of peace. You know those moments of peace that we find when circumstances are good and we're happy and I'm happy and at peace like that kind of peace. I'm not talking about that. Although it does make us feel good, I'm not talking about that kind of circumstantial peace tonight. I'm not talking about that cheap peace that the world offers us. I'm talking about this true and this real and this lasting peace that can only be found in one place. And that's what I want to talk to you about tonight. I want to extend those pockets of peace. We need more pockets, people. Right? Right? We need to be out there showing the world that that thing about there is no peace, it is a lie because we are living it out. I think I like that's what Jaron said. It's peace lived out every day and that is attainable. It's not out of reach. Peace is not just something we read about in stories or hear from a long time ago. It is for us today. And this path to this message tonight, it's been kind of a crazy one really. You know, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm in all my reading, and I listened to a lot of sermons, and it was, a, it was a, not a religious quote that kind of helped me get over this bump. Where am I going? What am I going to talk about? And it was from a preacher, but it was sports-related. You guys can probably, some of you guys are big into sports, right? So this was a sports-related quote from a preacher, and she said this, the score only tells us who won or who is winning, but the score never tells us the story behind it. that really made me stop and think. If we look at the score, peace is losing, right? I mean, peace is way behind. There's no way to catch up. But I want to share some stories tonight that tell you the opposite of that. And the way he always does, God brought this all together. And really, kind of at the last moment, I was still working on some of this. You know, this morning, Maria wanted me to send slides yesterday, and I'm like, oh, but I don't even know. How. Okay, here's my scripture, and here's, you know, hopefully nothing else will come up. and you know. But God has worked it out in his timing for his purpose. And we're going to kind of look at this peace thing, this big, broad picture of peace. I'm going to kind of break it out into to three movements, three parts for us. And it's three movements that span different time different people. Each era, each time has a story to tell. Each is illustrating to us that the game is far from over. You know, in the current score, it doesn't have the final say. It doesn't matter what it is anyway. We're going to start with this guy. is this guy you all know. You know, this guy you all love, Paul. we have heard of Paul, right? Okay, so we're going to start with uh, some familiar words from this familiar guy. But you know, it's funny, as God did for me this week, I hope he helps you to see this in a fresh way. That this will come alive for you tonight in a new way. And I want to start with Paul. We're gonna start with Paul and his experience and his words, because it builds the foundation for where the rest of the movements go. So we're gonna look tonight, I think I do have it for you on the screen from Philippians 4, 6 through 7. I know we've all heard this before, but I'm gonna read it to you tonight. It's from the NIV version. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. All right, so here's Paul. We know Paul's story, right? Here's Paul, and he's writing to his brothers and sisters in Philippi, and he knows that he is that that those guys are going through some really tough times. I mean, they're suffering from persecution, right? Uh, They're facing disunity in the church. I mean, they're fighting amongst themselves in the church. Some of their members, even within their own fellowship, they're prideful. They're self-centered. They were facing false teachers uh, who had just recently joined the fellowship. And some of the teachers were fiercely attacking the cross of Christ. And to add that to the fact that the believers were they were struggling for a lot of the everyday things, a lot of things they needed food, clothing, shelter, you know those little things. so they were struggling there also. I mean, what else could confront them? You got the spiritual side, you got the emotion you got the physical right They had every reason to lose the hope for peace. They were facing every trial, they were facing every temptation. And the kind of trouble that would, it just brings anxiety, right? It brings worry, it brings fear, all those things, all these human emotions that says we should fret and worry and have anxiety and and just, just not even think that God is in this at all. And yet there's Paul, right? Paul is sitting in this dark, probably smelly, I can't think prison smells very good, but dark and smelly prison cell, not a peaceful place. And here he is telling these guys not to be anxious about anything. He's one beggar telling another beggar where the bread is. And I think those guys in Philippi, if I were them, I would have wanted to hear this message. Hey, hang on, it's going to get better, right? All these things are going to be fine. You know, you'll get your food, you'll get your clothing. These people who are causing trouble in the church, they're going to be gone. It's going to be fine. That's not what Paul ended up telling them because he didn't want to sell them some of that cheap piece, that short-lived stuff that's so easy to get. He wanted to share with them the stuff they really needed, the kind of piece that would transform their hearts even if their situations were still kind of crummy. Same kind of piece that even he had found in a cold prison cell. He knew what he was talking about. He wasn't just saying, I think you can get this stuff. You know, I've heard it's out there. He was telling them you can have it because he had experienced it. And I think our own lives, especially during this time of the year, anybody have chaos in their lives? Anybody have a lot going on? Anybody have busy schedules? You know, our to-do lists are much bigger than the hours available to do them. Pockets of peace seem like further and further and further away like there maybe are no pockets. You know, we, <clears throat> we just try to, to get it together and to try to make it happen, and that even makes the peace seem more w- far away, so far away that we can't even deal with the stress and the home stress, work stress, health stress. We can't get it together. We just can't do it. That's right. They are right. There is no peace in the world. Good night. <laughs> Man, if it ended there, how sad would that be? You know, it, it, on the other side, I could say, but don't worry. It'll get better. You know, things will be fine. After the holidays, it's going to slow down. Your finances will ease up. Your time will ease up, right? Let me give you some of that cheap piece, and we'll just all go away happy tonight. We could make this. I probably could find it very easily on the, on the Internet. I'm going to give you a five points of things you can give up for the holidays to make your life peaceful. Man, wouldn't that be great? We could just do this little checklist every day and go on about our lives feeling happy and peaceful and and all good, and I can't do that either. I can't just say it's all going to be all right. Sometimes it just doesn't feel like it's going to be all right, and we don't need that cheap peace. So what we want to do is kind of pause with Paul here. We don't have to be in a cell, but we can spend some time with Paul, and I want us to linger as he lays out what we need to do to find that real peace right here in the middle of the craziness going on around us. Do not be anxious about anything. He didn't say some things or a few things that are really bad. Don't be anxious about that. You know, it's okay if you're anxious about a few things, but, you know, keep it in check. Keep a healthy balance of anxious and not. Eh, No, he didn't say that. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And I wonder, if we're really honest, if we really just stop and ask ourselves, I mean, do we really do that? Do we really do that when seem when things seem out of control and when the chaos is engulfing us and all we can see is the blackness. Do we stop and cry out to God? Do we pray? Do we have petitions to God? And man, do we really stop and offer thanksgiving? Thank you for this, God. Thank you for this struggle. Thank you for this fill in the blank. Do we do that? I'm going to have to call. (coughs) Yeah, do do we really present our requests to God? And if the answer is no, if you answer no to any of that, then indeed, we're going to feel like chaos is winning. The score does matter in that case. Peace is like 50, and we're like zero. And that's because we're not doing those things. You know, it kind of makes us feel like. We should give up and just quit the game. Throw in the towel. We're done, right? Helmets off, pads off. We're done. Out of the game. You know. but if we heed the words of Paul, if we really take to heart what he's saying, when we do those things, when we are like, God, here's our prayers, we cry out to him. And even when it's hard when we say, thank you, God, thank you for the blessings I have seen in this, when we do that, Paul says the peace of God which transcends all understanding. It'll guard your hearts, and it'll guard your minds in Christ Jesus. And in the same as it is for those folks in Philippi, he's not saying chaos is going to be gone like a whiff of smoke. Everything's going to clear. Everything's going to be a bed of roses. Your path is going to be easy. You know, your burden is light, but things aren't going to magically disappear. But what happens is this unexplainable, this unworldly peace, the peace of God is going to come in and not take it all away, but guard your hearts and guard your minds. He, he I kind of heard it, heard it described this week as uh, this century. Can you imagine? I almost saw it kind of as a, a peace ninja even, right? Out there protecting, you know, right? You got this, you're praying and you're petitioning and you're thanking God. And and with all of that, now you have this ninja is like, uh-uh, bad thought gone, chaos no so mine's not a century mine is a peace ninja just so you know but that ninja is out there guarding my heart because I am submitting everything to God on my own the ninja's like oh no (laughs) you think you got this go for it but with God my heart is guarded and I'm very thankful for that you know we'll be guarded from uh, becoming depressed despondent from feeling defeated in my studies this week I came across this definition of peace and it is not Webster's Webster would not word it this way but it's a definition that I really loved it said peace is relaxed confidence in God's love and trust that God has my very best interests at heart Does that make you feel peaceful just hearing that relaxed confidence right You can't even say relaxed without not feeling relaxed. Relaxed. confidence in God's love and a trust that God has my very best interest at heart. That kind of peace is what Paul is describing. He's redefining what the world is telling us peace looks like. The world wants us to think it's based on our circumstances. But Paul's saying, oh, what a load of crap. That is not what peace is. Peace is something we can understand. Peace is not something that we can really say, oh, yeah, this is it in a neat little box. That's why I wasn't sure where to go with this peace thing. It's such a big, big thing. You know, Paul is telling us that even in our chaos, man, God loves us, and he's for our good. That kind of helps me lead in to the second movement. You all know that we have been dealing with this court case in Bungoma. You've heard about it a lot. And we were really praying that after two, two and a half years, we would finally get this verdict. And I'll give you a little more update on that a little later. But, you know, just like the sports analogy, sometimes it seems like we're losing. And on Thursday, it kind of felt a little bit like that. You know, we joined in prayer. A lot of you joined us in praying that this verdict would come down. Man, and I was so anticipating that. I was so looking forward to the fact that we would finally have closure. We would have a yes or no, and we would be able to move, over, move on and say, all right, God, now what? You know, and then we got a call on Thursday morning. It wasn't what we expected. All week I'd been praying very simply for a verdict, you know. Lord, let us just have an answer. Let us have an answer. And then about midweek, kind of my sermon prep and my prayer from Bungoma collided a bit, you could say. It kind of converged on each other. You know, I was looking at this scripture from Paul because I'm just preparing my sermon. You know, that's one thing I'm doing over here. And then I kind of realized, man, God kind of gave me one of those slaps in the back of the head. And he said, you know, but you're living this out. You're already leaning into this passage and it's becoming real. I've been anticipating a verdict, right? Especially this week. I mean two and a half years we've had delays and diversions and but this week I thought it would happen. And I've been anticipating the end to this long and grueling journey. I've been praying. I've been asking God that this would be the thing that we would be able to have an answer. I've been thanking him for the kids and thanking them him for what they've meant in my life the way that they have uh, that you guys have become a part of their lives i was thanking him for the differences i see how they're living now versus before i was thanking him i was presenting my request to god and even without realizing it and even though i had every reason to be anxious i mean a lot rides on an outcome in bungoma personally, for the kids. There's a lot riding on that. And even though there's so many things to be anxious about, and even though I had no control over what the judge might say, (laughs) I didn't feel worried. I didn't feel anxious. I felt that I was at peace with whatever would happen on Thursday. It was an unexplainable, unworldly sense of peace. Now I'd be lying to you, though, if I did not tell you that I was disappointed. Now, she called me, and it was like 2.30 in the morning here, all right? And I, I had my ringer on, so I'd be sure I did not want to miss the call, all right? I'm not a morning person, and, but I told her, call me whatever time it is, and she did. And I was disappointed when I heard her say, we've gotten a delay, It'll be delayed, you know, until the 20th. And, man, I felt one more point for the other side. Yep, they're winning. We have a delay. And, but instead, what I found, even as I hung up the phone, I was already back into the prayer mode. Okay, Father, I don't understand this. I don't know why we have another delay. I know you do. And I just continue to pray that we will see a resolution to this. I continued to be thankful that the staff had made it safely there that day and praying for their return home to Bungoma, thanking that the kids have security, you know, for another 20 days. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And it's been really difficult. I'll be just real honest. It's been really difficult to get to this place, to get to this place where I no longer see what happens a yes or a no. I no longer see that as a victory either for the pastor's side in Bungoma or for us. And it's taken a long time to not feel that way. I just pray for a victory for the 56 innocent orphans that live there. And whatever happens, I can tell you this. I believe with every bit of me that God has their very best interests at heart. And instead of that closure that we wanted, instead of an end or a beginning, <laughs> instead of that closure we got that we wanted on Thursday, here we are, still waiting, still actively anticipating a decision on the 20th. And here, here's how I know that the words of Paul are true. In the midst of this still unknown, in the midst of this still waiting I still have a peace, and it makes no sense at all on its own. It's this peace that God is flooding me with, and I will continue to cry out to him as we continue this time of waiting. So in our final movement this evening, we're going to visit a guy by the name of Henry Wadsworth. Don't say that too quickly. Wadsworth Longfellow. And during the Civil War, Longfellow's oldest son, Charles, he joined the Union. He wanted to fight as a soldier, and he did so without his father's blessings. And Longfellow was informed uh, by a letter dated March 14, 1863. Um, Charles wrote this, I've tried hard to resist the temptation of going without your leave, but I cannot any longer. He wrote, I feel it to be my duty To do what I can for my country and I would willingly lay down my life for it if it would do any good. So Charles soon got an appointment. He became a lieutenant and in November he was severely wounded. Now this wounding of his son came very shortly after he lost his wife. His his wife was killed uh, in a kind of a, a freak fire accident. I think you could say that Henry Longfellow was in a dark place And it was from the darkness that he wrote on Christmas Day, 1863, the poem, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. And I know that we have, we've sung this, you've read it, uh, and I have it on the screen for you tonight because I think it goes so well with this idea of peace is not circumstantial. Let me, hold on, please. Okay, so this is what uh, Longfellow wrote. He said, I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play, and wild and sweet the world's repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And I thought how, as the day had come, the belfries of all Christendom had rolled along the unbroken song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. The ringing singing on its way, the world revolved from night to day, a voice, a chime, a chant sublime of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God's not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail. With peace on earth, goodwill to men. I'm glad the most important part is up there. You know, it was written in 1863, but it's just like those words of Paul. They resonate with us today. And I love the way that builds from where we were to this growing despair and into this time of peace. You know, I think the world would be okay if, we, if it just stopped at verse. I'm not going to quote a verse because I'm not sure what it is on here. Uh, where on my paper, I had it as verse 3. He said, and in despair I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and marks the song of peace on earth. Goodwill to men. Good news is, the world doesn't get the final say. Nor do we stop at verse 4. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God's not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail. With peace on earth, goodwill to men. You know, when he wrote those words, Longfellow was still in mourning. He was mourning the injury of his son, he was mourning the loss of his wife. When he wrote the words to the Philippians, Paul was still in prison. He was still in a dark place physically. And when I wrote this message, well, we're still waiting for a verdict. Circumstances didn't change, but peace on earth, goodwill to man. We recently did a retreat with Alan Fadling. He had us do this little exercise in this group setting, and kind of an odd thing, but I thought it really would bring this message home to us if we just took a moment and did this together. So I want us to all close our eyes for a moment, if you would, With your eyes closed, I want you to think about all the stuff that you got coming up, all right? I want to think you to think about your to-do list. I want you to think about all the chores and all the errands and all the stuff, all the commitments, all those things, all your calendar little notes, right? And just tick them off. Just think about them one by one. Let your mind be consumed with all the stuff you need to get done. And I want you to think about how all that stuff makes you feel. How you feel when you think about all the stuff you need to do tomorrow or Monday or Tuesday or before Christmas. Does it make you feel a little bit stressed? Does it make you feel Maybe a little worried you don't have time to get it done. Maybe a little anxiousness creeping in, yeah? With your eyes still closed, we're going to start at the beginning of that list again. But at the end of each and every one, I want you to add the words, with God. All those chores and errands and commitments with God. You can open your eyes. I'm suspecting that the second time around, well, I hope (laughs) the second time around, it felt totally different. The list was still the same. You still need to do the same chores, errands, commitments, all the stuff, still the same but now it's with God. I hope that made all the difference. I hope that you felt, instead of anxiety, I hope that peace just flooded all those things that you still need to do. In the midst of our chaos, God is with us. In the midst of our struggles, God is with us. In the midst of our busy schedules, our errands, and our chores, God is with us. God's not dead, nor doth he sleep. My prayer for us, all of us, is that we will not settle, not just during this Advent season, not just during Christmas, but that we will not settle for that cheap peace substitute that the world so readily hands us. I pray that we'll seek out the real deal. We will seek out this peace that comes only from Christ. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. All right, guys, I have tonight's benediction. May the words of John fourteen twenty seven plant themselves in your hearts tonight. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Take the gift of peace you have been offered here tonight back into the world with you this week. Do not be people who walk in darkness. Instead, walk as people who have seen a great light. Let your faith be renewed during this Advent season and may you be inspired to act. Be the peacemakers that your neighbors are longing for. Be the peacemakers your coworkers are searching for. Be the peacemakers the world so desperately needs. And by being peacemakers, may you in turn find the peace you are longing for. Go in peace, make peace, and be at peace.